Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. Lots of news to talk about. We have a number of different perspectives we'll get on our program today on the trade front especially, but also some of the other issues of the day as well. I want to again thank uh, our affiliate WRAM in Monmouth, Illinois, for hosting me yesterday. I had a great time moderating their State of Agriculture Forum yesterday. We had a great discussion on a lot of these important issues uh, for agriculture, and it, it's just great to work with local radio stations. I believe very strongly in local radio, and that's my roots are in local radio, and love to see these stations like we have here on Adams and Agriculture that are such a important, vital part of their communities, and seeing events like I was part of yesterday in Monmouth, uh, just great to see uh, local radio stations getting involved and being involved in their communities like they are. Very important uh, very important uh, to have those stations. Please uh, thank them for carrying our program and uh, be sure to show your support uh, for those local stations as well. Well, coming up, we will talk with the co-director for Farmers for Free Trade. We're going to talk with the uh, director of International Trade and Market Access for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and talk with the senior vice president of public policy for the National Farmers Union get all the their perspectives on what's going on with trade. And, of course, uh, President Trump has announced that he is ordering an additional $200 billion in tariffs be levied against Chinese imported goods, further raising the stakes in this ongoing back and forth between the U.S. and China. Let's talk about it with Chris Clayton from DTN, who joins us now. Chris, that's a problem with these. Uh, once you start down this slope, they tend to escalate because when one country responds and the other country feels that they have to respond and it, it just keeps going back and forth. Now, uh, we have a little bit of time here on some of these, but uh, uh, cooler heads are going to have to prevail here soon to, to stop this from really getting uh, to be uh, pretty nasty and very harmful to U.S. agriculture. Yeah, the July 6th is the uh, time frame for the uh, tariffs against uh, soybeans, and, you know, we've already seen uh, what's been going on with the futures market um, and the soybean trade, and it's interesting because uh, we just were finishing up a piece from our Chinese correspondent, and um, soy meal prices there are actually rising because uh, maybe their concerns about uh, future supplies, and they're particularly concerned about what will happen um, in the fall when they are generally buying and delivering U.S. soybeans. So, you know, you get in these situations, and there's no doubt that there are areas, intellectual property and others, that need to be addressed. But this was agriculture's fear all along, that agriculture would be the collateral damage, that uh, they would get punished in the effort to try to fix something else. Yeah, and, you know, the president, and uh, we haven't really heard anything in terms of specifics, but the president had, uh, you know, said that uh, the Agriculture Secretary Purdue would um, would provide some CCC funds if uh, ag is impacted. Um, that would probably be something also that you would not see until the fall um, when, uh, when harvest officially comes around. But... Um, it will take, uh, it will, um, you know, affect basically all the buying and selling of grains over the summer because your July contracts are all going down right now, et cetera. 
Um, it probably, I think, in the inverse, it's probably boosting um, things going on with livestock because uh, feed prices are going down. But um, it's uh, it's going to have uh, you know a tremendous domino effect. And the 200 billion now, if you if you place these tariffs on uh, 200 billion, it's going to be really hard to say this no longer affects the this won't affect the consumer. Uh, I, if you're hitting 200 billion dollars in products, you know average consumers, uh, people buying at Walmart, Target, or whatever else, they're going to be affected uh, by this. Chris, as I talk with farmers, I keep asking them about their, is there any wavering of their support for President Trump? And, and many of them that are that are supporters uh, say they're anxious, but they're still hopeful. What are you hearing from farmers? Um, I did have a couple of people who emailed me after Friday's article and saying I, I didn't effectively tell the other side of the story that, you know, the reason that this is happening is because um, the and I have written about this in the past that you know the White House and uh, the Trump administration are really concerned about long-term technology trends and and what may happen in the aerospace industry and uh, other high-tech industries. China has a plan called China 2025 to really dominate these industries, and this is really what this is supposed to be about is trying to stop China from taking technology and then putting a million and a half people to go and manufacture it. Um, so, you know, this is a long game, basically. If the White House is looking at the strategy, the way they maintain in dealing with, you know, the problem long term, and, and in the short term, unfortunately, Agriculture is the uh, is the industry in the United States that that feels it quickest, um, and that's just kind of the reality of the situation. Yeah, sometimes hard to look long term when you're getting hurt so much short term. We're talking there are with some the cr- farmers, yes, who who yeah. basically still support the president very strongly in this yes. situation. Mm-hmm. Talking with Chris Clayton, ag policy editor for DTN, Chris. Uh, Right now, immigration's at the forefront. A lot of the issues that uh, we're hearing so much about uh, uh, this week in the House, a look at a couple of immigration bills. What are you hearing there? Does one seem to have more support than another? Um, it's difficult to say right now because we haven't seen any kind of whip count or even actually bill language on either one of these um, I made some phone calls yesterday, and we'll be following up a little more on this. I talked with Senator Grassley about this this morning. It's interesting because, you know, agriculture is one of the industries that relies heavily on immigrant labor. Um, neither one of these bills addresses ag labor right now. The, the provisions that were in the Goodlett bill that dealt with ag labor are going to be taken out. So either one of these bills that's being voted on this week, neither one of them would deal with people who are working on agriculture illegally now or expanding and overhauling the guest worker program, which has been a big issue for, um, um, you know, for the Farm Bureau and other groups. They're, supposedly the theory is they would have a standalone vote on agricultural labor issues sometime later this summer. I I can't imagine if you have a big dogfight about about immigration right now that you could, you're going to have enough um, 
energy and will to come back later in the summer and have a specific vote on just ag labor issues. But that is uh, is basically where this is going to go. So if you're a dairy farmer or whoever else and you've been uh, waiting for some sort of relief from Congress uh, on uh, ag labor issues, it's not in this either one of these two bills that the House is going to vote on. Yeah, I'm with you waiting for a bill later just on the ag portion of that. That seems uh, like a risky strategy, but we'll see. Chris, thanks a lot. We'll be following your reporting as always. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good week. You too. Chris Clayton, Ag Policy Editor for DTN. All right, more on the trade front. Angela Hoffman, Co-Director of Farmers for Free Trade, joins us next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. 
Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. So we talk a lot about the trade issue. It's very serious. It's back and forth now with China. Let's talk about it with Angela Hoffman, co-director of Farmers for Free Trade. Angela, thank you for joining us. How concerned are you about uh, these tensions between the U.S. and China? Well, thanks for having me this morning. And I'll tell you, Farmers for Free Trade, we're very concerned. This is just yet another example of how farm industry is right in the middle of rising trade tensions with our key export trading partners. This comes in addition, as you know, to the NAFTA dispute and the recent steel and aluminum tariff. So China in the mix here is a very critically important uh, partner, $20 billion export industry, export for our industry, and, and we're very concerned. Angela, by the way, are you on a speakerphone by any chance? I am not. Okay, okay. There you sound a little better. We had a kind of a shaky connection there. Just wanted to make sure we can hear you good and clear. All right, so I keep saying this, and I'm afraid we're seeing it come true. Once you start on these tariffs and then retaliation, they, they tend to escalate and, and escalate quickly because one country has feels they compelled they have to respond in kind, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, and it can really get out of hand. Now, we have some time on some of these. Uh, would be July 6th. Are you at all optimistic that between now and then uh, we can um, uh, uh, find a solution to this? Well, I'm always an optimist, and I think, you know, our farmers and ranchers, they've survived some pretty difficult time, and they're optimistic, too. That said, we're going to have to take some pretty aggressive action to calm this trade dispute with our key trading partners and resolve these issues quickly and amicably, because at the end of the day, again, these are our top export markets. These are our top customers. And we want to have some reliability in our marketplace in the very near future. This has gone on far too long. How do we, in agriculture, think, should, how should we balance this out? Because acknowledging there are bigger issues here, uh, intellectual property and other things between the U.S. and China that need to be addressed, uh, trying to acknowledge and support efforts to do that, but also pointing out how agriculture is getting hurt in the in the meantime uh, that, that's kind of a tough uh, uh, line there to walk well there are important issues at stake here and intellectual property is something we want to protect as well that's very important for the the farm implements that we sell overseas and and what we build here we want to protect those great items and our, our u.s ingenuity that said what we're talking about here really is the tools that are being used so implementing Import tariffs is resulting in a retaliatory tariff in kind. And so I think what we're really talking about is how do you resolve these measures in a way that uses the right tools for the right situation and doesn't put agriculture in the crosshairs of the retaliation. Now, I look at a quote from White House Council of Economics Advisors, uh, Economic Advisors Chairman uh, Kevin Hassett, saying that the U.S. economy can absorb these tensions right now because of its strength. And he says, you know, if we were in the middle of a financial crisis and we added this uncertainty, then uh, then it would be very harmful. But right now, he says the economy has got a lot of forward momentum. Well, that may be true in the general economy, but that's not so much the case in the ag economy. Well, that's right. And in this case, we're talking about already working on razor-thin profit margins. And we've got two things at stake. We have farmers 
they know about economics. We're talking about sales and sales that could be questionable in the future. So that's your top-line growth. And then you have your bottom line. And at the same time, we're looking at sort of losing market share. These same producers are seeing significantly increased costs with everything from their fencing to their farm implements. So they're seeing that bottom line also being impacted. And in the middle, everyone's getting squeezed. So I'd argue there's not a lot of room and there's not a lot of flexibility, and there's not much more that our farm communities can absorb. We're talking with Angela Hoffman, co-director of Farmers for Free Trade. Uh, your group is uh, once again um, trying to call attention to these issues. You have a new ad uh, that you have created with the U.S. Apple Association that's uh, getting a lot of airplay this week. Tell us about that. Sure. So this is a spot that features a gentleman named Mark Boyer. He's a, the part owner of Ridgetop Orchards. It's a family-run farm in Fishertown, Pennsylvania. And Mark makes a great point about how much the U.S. apple industry does depend on exports. And for the apple industry, as you know, it's not easy to diversify production. It's a long-term investment. And so they're looking at certainty for their export trading markets and the opportunity to continue to build their business, invest in new equipment, new technology. But right now, with things so unpredictable, it's hard to do that. And Mark's going to share that you know the stakes are high and people will lose their jobs unless we get these issues resolved. There's a, I, you know, maybe it's semantics, I don't know, but there's a question whether or not this is actually a trade war, and some say, well, not until they act- these tariffs actually go into place July 6th or whatever. But in the meantime, there's real damage being felt. We know there are some tariffs in place on certain products already. We know the markets have reacted negatively. Do you call this a trade war at this point, Angela? So we're in it right now, and we're already seeing the effects, as you just mentioned. We have retaliation in place with our trading partners in Mexico from NAFTA. There are also a number of retaliatory tariffs already in place with China related to the steel case. Um, So we're already seeing commodities and industries, from wine to nuts and more, who are affected. They're they're in it right now, and they're seeing that this isn't a short-term effect. This could have a lasting long-term effect in their industry, particularly in countries like China, that depend on long-term relationships. Yeah, I think that's a good point. While a lot of these have not gone into effect yet, some are in place, and and the impact is being felt immediately. So we need to keep that in mind as we assess uh, this situation. Now, on NAFTA, the administration seems to want to go one-on-one, have, maybe get a Mexican deal and then a Canadian deal perhaps later, rather than all three countries uh, in the uh, something similar to what we've had in NAFTA before. Uh, do you like that approach? Or are you optimistic that that's a good approach or not? I think the approach that everyone wants to get to is a harmonized North American um, structure. And so having these individual one-offs makes it more complicated for a producer to interact throughout the North American hemisphere. Because at the end of the day, you want to simplify what you do when you're doing business because that also reduces the cost of doing business in those markets. Do you feel that agriculture, agriculture's concerns that we've just talked about, are they being heard in the White House? Uh, and we know Secretary Purdue talks about it a lot, but uh, or do you feel that uh, the administration is basically saying you're just going to have to deal with this for the greater good? So we really appreciate the leadership that has been shown by Secretary Purdue and his team at USDA. Certainly we have some great negotiators with Greg Dowd 
over at U.S. Trade Representative's office. I think what we would say is the White House is listening, but we can't just take that for granted. It's more important now more than ever that farmers and ranchers are speaking up, making their voices heard, because most importantly, they're being listened to. The president cares about agriculture, and these are the folks who are going to make a difference in the decisions that are being made and the way they are being made. And I have to wonder, though, until these these tariffs start impact coming back to impact consumers across the board, then I got a feeling they're going to hear a, even a louder voice because there'll be greater numbers, and that may get the may get attention because that's where we're kind of headed, right? I mean, if the, all these tariffs start going into place, it's going to impact a, a lot of goods that consumers purchase in this country. That's right. And, and, you know, when we're talking about tariffs, so we have two tariffs. We have retaliatory tariffs. Those are taxes on our products being sold overseas. That makes us less competitive. It allows our trading partners in other markets to be able to um, take advantage of the fact that our, cost, our goods cost more to be sold to these markets. You know, I keep thinking this would be a lot easier to accept if we saw trade new trade deals coming on, but we haven't seen those yet. I think that's where a lot of the anxiousness is as well. Okay, if you don't, if we don't like the trade deals we have now, where are the new ones? Well, that's right. And we have very important trading partners such as Japan, who were part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That would have been a big deal for production and agriculture. A lot of our products go there already, but the opportunity to open that market even further from grains to proteins huge opportunity in Asia. And how we get back into the business of doing trade and selling more products, well, that's what we do. <laughs> we need to get back to our resources and get our resources shifted into opening up those new markets. All right. So, Angela, thanks. We'll be watching. I'm sure we'll be seeing uh, those ads that uh, you'll have going on with the uh, the apple growers and uh, further getting the message out about the importance of trade for agriculture. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. All right, Angela Hoffman, co-director of Farmers for Free Trade. So, you know, the alarm bells are going off all across agriculture because uh, these trade issues are so important, especially at a time when the ag economy is uh, is already dealing with uh, some real tough issues, low prices, and, and exports are such a big part of the ag economy. We'll talk about it next with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Get his perspective on these trade tensions, or as Angela calls it, already into a trade war when it comes to China. We'll talk about it next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. 
Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. It's time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, we are sharply lower in corn, wheat, and soybean futures. Prices tra- changing very rapidly, but well over 60 to 65 cents lower in soybean futures. Losses in the teens in corn, losses of some 19 to 20 some cents in the wheats. President Trump has directed the U.S. Trade Representative to prepare new tariffs on $200 billion in Chinese imports. As the two nations move closer to a potential trade war, the tariff, which Trump wants set at 10%, would be the latest round of punitive measures in an escalating dispute. China warning Tuesday it will retaliate against the president and his latest tariff threat. The Commerce Ministry criticizing Trump's order to prepare tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods as blackmail. November soybeans dropping to a fresh 2018 low on Monday. Sharp losses on this Tuesday. The 14-day relative strength index falling to 21% on Monday. We will do more damage on this Tuesday. December corn continued falling on this Tuesday, skidding to a new contract low overnight and in the day trade searching for price support. September Kansas City wheat continued spiraling lower on Monday, the bears retaining the near-term technical edge. Winter wheat harvest reportedly said to be around 27% complete as of Sunday, according to USDA. That's ahead of the five-year average. Livestock at the Merck, live cattle, feeder cattle, and lean hog futures also suffering losses on Wall Street. The Dow suffering losses of around 390 points, S&P down 27, crude down 67. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented MyPillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows, and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, I tell you, all this trade talk gets a little discouraging after a while. So I'm going to ask Kent Backus, Director of International Trade and Market Access for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, to be our our voice of optimism. He'll find a silver lining in all this. Right, Kent? Uh, well, I, I'll do my best. Uh, it's kind of hard when you read the headlines, though. It is tough. I mean, when you look at the the potential, because now it's a back and forth. Every day it's like one, one side 
you know, makes a move and the other side has to retaliate and, and up that ante and it's back and forth. And I mean, this starting to add up, get serious. Now, I realize not all of it's in place yet, but the potential is what we're dealing with. And we're already seeing the impact on markets. So uh, what's your assessment? Because beef is now in this in this as well. Yeah, you know, we've been very fortunate uh, from the beef industry to stay out of the crosshairs on a lot of this, uh, uh, tit for tat and, uh, you know, retaliation threats and whatnot. But, you know, now we're uh, we're in the middle of it. And uh, not only has China identified us as a, a target for retaliation on July 6th, but uh, Canada has also uh, identified uh, beef as one of the targets for the July 1st tariffs. And while it's not a, you know, a significant uh, factor on the beef side for Canada, uh, for China, you know, we're going to be hit on every single product, and so, you know, it's a uh, it's a tough situation right now. And I and though the, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. I I think if anything we have seen is that uh, you know the administration is going to continue to double down on tariffs until China comes to the table. And unfortunately, we're going to be in the crosshairs uh, not only with China but with other markets. In, uh, until this whole issue is resolved. Yeah, and that's the question I keep coming back to. Uh, you know, is agriculture basically being asked to bear the brunt uh, for the greater good, to get to that end of a uh, uh, goal of resolving a lot of these issues that are out there that are important issues and need to be addressed, but in the meantime, the short-term pain? Well, I think there's there's no question that agriculture, whether we want to be or not, we're going to be involved in this. This involves the entire economy. We're not the only industry getting hit either, uh, but we are uh, getting a significant percentage of the retaliation. And when, not only with China and Canada, but look at Mexico. Mexico is a prime example of uh, retaliation of what they're doing to pork. I mean, that uh, that 20% tariff on on pork is going to uh, it's going to be very devastating for the pork industry if this isn't resolved soon uh, but it's not just that we're worried about you know when when other commodities suffer beef suffers as well when you look at grains grains benefit when when beef exports uh, are are able to to thrive but when you look at other pol- uh, you know poultry and pork other proteins you know, when they suffer, we suffer because we're not only competing against other countries in some of these key export markets, we're competing against other proteins. And when those proteins are, are displaced, especially looking at pork, well, where's that product going to go? You know, it's either going to go to another market, another export market where we're very competitive and they're going to essentially have oversupply and drive down the price and make us less competitive because we're naturally a more expensive protein than pork. Uh, or that product could come back here onto the domestic market. And we've already seen beef prices slipping. We don't want to see them slip any further uh, because of an oversupply of protein on the market. And looking at some of the projections that are coming out, you know, we're not going to slow down a production anytime soon. So we got to be able to move this product. And usually, you know, when we see an increased uh, slaughter rate, or we see increased production. It's due to it's due to other circumstances like drought. Drought's been a major motivator in the past. But you know, if these policies go into effect, it's going to be another factor that's going to encourage that. And that's something we're, we're pretty you know uh, pretty nervous about. Now we're hopeful that in this little window between now and July 6, especially with China, 
that there will be some kind of solution that's hammered out just in the next couple of weeks. But that's very optimistic, and that would be a very bold victory if one can be achieved in that short window. But I think we need to be we need to be prepared for, you know, uh, at least a few weeks, maybe a few months of tariffs being applied to our products, and that's going to that's uh, going to have a trickle down effect all across the board. Well, the problem is you get into these back and forths, and neither side wants to look like they're caving in or giving in. So that makes it even harder to come to some sort of a resolution because everyone wants to save face. Now it's often said, Kent, that uh, no one wins in a uh, trade war, that when you get into this, uh, everyone loses. Yet it seems to be the U.S. strategy here to keep doubling down, and we're going to win this by using tariffs. Uh, What do you think of that strategy? Well, you know, in the past, other administrations have tried to find win-win solutions. They've tried to find ways, especially like trade agreements, where you can find a way for both people or both parties to, to claim victory. Uh, and usually uh, that's done at uh, you know, essentially having to sacrifice you know, one, one industry or the other. Uh, when you look at some of the TPP stuff, uh, you know, for beef, we were going to have major access. Pork was going to have major access into some of these markets. Uh, you know, but in the commodities like rice that were, that were you know, not going to have that same kind of uh, success. Uh, on the flip side, you know, other countries were not going to be able, they weren't going to export a lot of protein to the U.S., but they were going to export other goods. There's, there's give and take in all of these things. And I think the, the understanding, the mentality of this new approach is when you're looking at lose-lose, uh, you know, we're going to keep hurting you until you give us what we want, or we're going to keep, you know, holding you very tough. We're not looking for ways for you, uh, for you to win. We're looking for ways that we can hold you over a barrel until we get what we want. And, you know, with all due respect, there are commodities that, that lose in that battle, too. There may be some that gain in the short term. We may see a few uh, steel or aluminum plants or processing facilities come back online, but what are we giving up on the agricultural side? So I wouldn't say that that one way or the other is a uh, is is I would say that I don't think that you're going to have a situation where you never have victims. There's always going to be something that happens. But the important part about trade agreements is that it gets the tariff barriers out of the way and it lets the market dictate success and not the government. And tariffs is just more government intrusion into. Uh, into the marketplace, and that's not something that we support. So, you know, we would urge the administration, and we have urged them to get back to the table and try to find ways to hammer out some good trade agreements where we can succeed and our economies uh, can can both be uh, benefited from this process. We're talking with Kent Backus, Director of International Trade and Market Access for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So, Kent, when we look at China, uh, that's a market you've been trying to get back into with U.S. beef. You've had struggles there because of some of the policies in China. But it, it was starting to look like it was going to start to open up. But now this comes along, and as you said, the impact on the other commodities impacts beef. So even though it may not be a huge market right now for U.S. beef, uh, you're still going to be impacted by all these other tariffs. That's exactly right. I mean, we've we've been in the Chinese market for almost a year now. We're starting to develop these supply chains. We're developing our consumer base. Uh, you know, we're already an expensive product because of the restrictions China places on us. The, our inability to use 
beta agonists and hormones makes our product very expensive. When you add the tariff rate increase from 12% to 37% that will go into effect on uh, July the 6th, that's going to make us completely uncompetitive. We're not going to be able to benefit much. And even though China is a small market, we are trying to grow that market. But I think we can't ignore the fact that the pork products that are being displaced out of there because of tariff-related tariff retaliation is, I mean, that product's going to get pushed into other markets. It could be potentially uh, negative uh, for us in markets like Korea and Japan, uh, where those consumers eat similar cuts to what uh, our cons- what the consumers in China are eating, and so that that's not good for us. I mean, that product's got to go somewhere, and it's got to be consumed. And we have ramped up production across the board for both beef, pork, and poultry. And if we don't find a way to move this product, then uh, it's it's going to to really have a negative imp- impact on prices and on our future success. You know, it's when it comes for beef. You know, it takes us about three years to get an animal from uh, birth to uh, you know, to the point of sale, as far as actual products. You know, pork it takes about a year. Poultry it takes a matter of months. And so it takes us longer to uh, to really adjust to these kind of waves. And so that's why we support trade policies that promote stability and promote market access. Uh, and you know, we just. Uh, we have been trying to encourage the administration to take a, a more meaningful approach where they're trying to negotiate market access instead of getting into this tit-for-tat on, on tariffs. And I think the tariffs are definitely a, motivation, uh, a, a motivating piece to try to get these other countries to the table. But once we get them to the table, we've got to find a way to move forward. And, you know, in the near future, I think there's still going to be more of these threats of escalation. Uh, in order to try to motivate our trading partners to uh, negotiate with the United States. And it's yet to be determined if that's going to be successful. So stay engaged and let your elected officials know how these trade decisions are impacting you. This is an election year. The entire House of Representatives and the third of the U.S. Senate is up for re-election. You need to make your voices heard. It does come down to perspective. If uh, you are getting hired on at, say, a steel plant that's now up and running again that you're you're viewing all this as positive but uh you know, right now if you're an ag producer it doesn't look very positive so we'll see how it all plays out kent always good to talk with you and get your perspective thank you very much thanks for having me kent Backus, director of international trade and market access for the national cattlemen's beef association all right how does the national farmers union feel about uh, this uh, ongoing dispute with china and some of the other issues of the day we'll talk with rob larue senior vice president public policy for the national farmers union next on adams on agriculture guys we're ready for our four season sunroom and daddy's gonna get a rec room with refreshments oh no we'll be sleeping under the stars mom what about the one with you know the fun nice try little bro it's a gym my gym hey grandma's getting her four seasons garden room weather tight and still like being outdoors maybe a living room oh no wait a family hub yeah 
No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time you spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota, a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows, and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. 
thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, uh, we are hearing from a lot of different folks uh, in agriculture, concerns over the uh, the trade issues going on right now with China and also with the NAFTA countries as well. Let's talk with Rob LaRue, Senior Vice President, Public Policy for the National Farmers Union. Rob, thanks for joining us. Obviously, this is a time of uh, anxiousness, nervousness for agriculture. Boy, it's a lot of bad news out there, Mike, and and uh, things just continue to change uh, daily here. Uh, we could really use some good news. This is the time of year where farmers are usually, I think, optimistic uh, if weather's good and, and they have a crop in the ground. But uh, I tell you, the the news coming out of uh, uh, the the White House and our trading partners uh, just uh, signals a lot of storm clouds on the horizon. Do you see any bright spot in this? I mean, uh, we try to look at the the bigger picture and addressing issues that need to be addressed in trade. Um, trying to get to that, well, maybe, you know, that that goal at the end, but getting there is sure painful for agriculture. It seems. It, it sure is, and I I think you know if there is a bright spot here is the fact that uh, that the White House and the President is is getting serious with our trading partners. Right, they're getting serious. We we've known that there's been a a huge challenge with China for a long time. Uh, but, you know, the big problem here is if you're going to get tough, we need to understand, farmers need to understand what it is that's going to be done to kind of protect them from what we obviously see is the retaliation here uh, uh, hitting right in the heartland. And uh, we don't have that assurance yet. Uh, we have the Secretary of Agriculture saying that they might have some authority, they might use something, uh, but there's a so much uncertainty out there. The other bright spot, maybe, Mike, is the fact that you still have Farm Bill right now getting uh, negotiated. And as that kind of moves through, even though uh, there's a lot of questions there, you know, there is at least uh, an opportunity for a conversation about what can be done in the Farm Bill that can make sure that uh, farmers uh, have some certainty out there. And uh, in spite of what might be happening on the trade scene, uh, uh, be able to have the support they need. Do you think the farm bill can offset potential losses in trade? I mean, you know, we keep hearing about how uh, the administration is going to take care of farmers if they lose, uh, uh, you know, trade or if they're losing uh, from these trade policies. But boy, that's that's asking a lot of a farm bill to make up for some of these potential losses. No, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and argue that that's the case. I think what I'm arguing though is that with the farm bill, as they look at, for example, uh, PLC for those farmers that are going to be switching over there in times of low prices, is this an opportunity to raise those reference prices or the old target prices uh, to levels that would be uh, you know, easier for them to weather the, uh, weather the tough times in low prices? Because I think if you look at the, you know, look at the outset here, um, or sorry, look into the future, 
whether it's uh, our current trading problems or it's just the fact that stocks are going to you know, remain high for a while, that's going to keep that pressure on uh, prices. And I think we need programs in place to be able to deal with that. We're talking with Rob LaRue, Senior Vice President of Public Policy for the National Farmers Union. All right, we have, hopefully we're going to see some action this month on both farm bills, House and Senate. Do you like one more than the other, or do you parts of both? How do you look at them? <laughs> well, I see you. Uh, just on process alone, I think uh, you know a lot of folks are certainly uh, pleased with what they're seeing coming out of the Senate. I mean, the idea that they were able to come together uh, in a bipartisan fashion, uh, it's not revolutionary, right? It doesn't make a lot of changes. We'd love to see some improvements, but they, I think they took what resources they had and they, uh, their priorities were really focused on what was in the best interest of uh, farmers out there. And I think they, they did the best they possibly could. I think that that's really a good sign, uh, particularly as they go to the floor uh, next week. So I, I, I'm really hopeful that the Senate will continue kind of this momentum that they have going. Uh, obviously, everybody, I think, sees just a lot of uncertainty remaining in the House, uh, a purely partisan bill uh, there, and all tangled up in the immigration uh, issues. So we'll see how things kind of play out this week uh, over there. But... I would be surprised if we do not get into a conference situation where both House and Senate uh, are completed, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I think there still would be a big question about how they get it out and how they resolve the differences between the two. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure which bill is better, but I know which approach is better, and I think that's the Senate bipartisan approach. I would absolutely agree. I mean, I think it, it just really couldn't be much of a stronger uh, message coming out of the Senate committee uh, with a 20-to-1 vote. Uh, obviously, the one vote still signaling some uh, discussion there on the idea of, like, payment limits and so forth with Grassley. But overall, just a much more bipartisan working together. Um, and that's something we haven't seen in either the House or the Senate on a lot of issues. But I think this is really bodes well. Uh, hopefully, the, the House can kind of... Uh, perhaps learn some lessons from the Senate approach, and uh, when they get to conference, uh, be able to uh, resolve their differences. Okay, real quick, got a minute left here, but uh, the House is going to take up immigration this week. It sounds like they're taking the ag part of it out and going to supposedly do that later this summer. That that sounds kind of risky to me that you're going to be able to get regain the momentum to do something on that. Uh, how do you feel about that? Boy, I tell you, any time that you're taking a promise for Congress to act later on it, uh, on an issue that's so important uh, out there, uh, that that I wouldn't want to take to the bank. Um, I, I, it's just frustrating with all of the variations that's doing on immigration, trying to twist themselves around to find a solution here. That ag, which in many ways is so non-controversial in this whole process, cons- particularly considering all the other issues, uh, just remains uh, still a piece of the puzzle that they can't figure out. So, I think this is uh, actually really disappointing news. Uh, and uh, while they promised uh, future action, uh, I, it feels like something I've heard before. Yeah, we'll believe it when we see it, right? Okay. Rob, thank you very much for your perspective on these are very serious issues indeed. Thank you for being with us. All right. Thank you. Rob LaRue, Senior Vice President, Public Policy for the National Farmers Union. So we continue to get perspective from different parts of the ag community. Anxiousness, nervousness. <laughs> Trying to find, trying to be hopeful through all of this that it's all going to turn out okay. But right now, 
uh, it uh, is looking pretty tough. With the ag situation, we wait to see what happens with immigration in the House and then on to the farm bills. We'll get more perspective on all this tomorrow and some analysis of just what it all means, especially these tariffs and retaliation, what it means for farmers and uh, consumers in general. We'll get into all that tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a good day, everyone.